and welcome to the Fleet Geeks podcast. We're here to help develop fleet and transport professionals. Do you want to progress and develop your skills and knowledge? We promise to bring lively conversation and debate around interesting issues and keep you bang up to date with changes in our awesome industry. The Fleet Geeks are a community of professionals and if you enjoy the podcast, why not join the discussion for free in the Fleet Geek community over on Facebook. Fantastic. Cool. So... BVSA and recognition, the approval process. So understanding how the BVSA approval process works and those kinds of things. So if you're joining us live, welcome. I'm sat here in my office. I've flown around today uh, doing some various bits and pieces, but I, I, I made it. So I'm quite pleased that I made it literally just in time. It was like three seconds uh, to get onto this call. So that is quite quite exciting for me and good. I can see that my microphone's actually working. Uh, please do drop a message in the comments if you can't hear me properly, but hopefully you can. And I've got people joining the live stream already, so that's exciting, it's fantastic. So the DVSA earned recognition process is something, so this month I've had a huge amount of audits to do for the earned recognition process. And it's uh, quite an exciting time to be an audit provider. Um, I must say, and it's it's been some investment in uh, as a provider to make that happen as well. Um, so as a business, flagship partners have had to invest in the ISO 9001 standard to ensure that we've got the right uh, quality processes. Ah, I've got Mark next door. Mark, pop in and say hello to uh, the audience if you'd like, mate. Um, I forgot that I'd got this at one o'clock. So yeah, Mark uh, has kindly commented that he's next door. He's literally in one of our training rooms around the corner. Him and I have been having a chat about earned recognition. So uh, it's quite timely actually today uh, for him to him, him to be here. And we've been talking about specific elements of earned recognition actually. There's a module around the mixer rollover process and uh, for mixer operators to have an additional module for earned recognition. And there are a few different additional modules, things like the HS2 program um, and those kinds of things. So they're a bolt onto the original earned recognition, but and recognition is uh, an absolutely fantastic uh, program. If you're wanting to demonstrate excellence in your uh, uh, operator licensing in your business, then it is the standard to achieve. And I've been doing, like I say, I've been doing quite a few audits now. It's uh, as a as an auditor, we get uh, robustly quality assured by the DVSA as well to make sure that we're doing. Um, doing the audits in a way that, that that's correct. Certainly, the first uh, couple I put in, I got some feedback from uh, their their team there around the evidence requirements, which are really really robust. There is a really robust process as part of the auditing to do. So, what do you need to know as an operator who's considering earned recognition? Well, the thing to consider is first of all. What benefits would, would there be for you? And uh, one of the key one is no roadside stops, right? So no, everyone who runs vehicles knows that a roadside stop is a stressful occurrence. Whether you're committed to uh, maintaining high levels of, of road safety and uh, high levels of operation, you never really know what could come of that roadside stop or the challenges you may face. So uh, obviously a PG9 is a massive inconvenience for anyone. And obviously we intend and vehicles uh, operators will always intend to never have um, uh, that that occur, um, but obviously in the event that it does, it can cause an additional amount of work and it could be a bit of a challenge. So, and earned recognition also is there. There's huge benefits to it because it's such a high standard of operation. It really does demonstrate that you're operating to high levels as a business. So when you go for procurement, when you go through, um, uh, uh, you know, 
applying for work it's a really good thing for people to be able to see so the first thing is 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 there a bit of an interest in it the next thing to do would be to actually get online and have a look at the gov website uh, which actually has the earned recognition standard on there and it tells you the 10 key focus areas as well as the sampling requirements so it's really worth going on and having a bit of a look at that um, obviously if you want to have a chat with me or any of the other own recognition auditors to give them a call too because they understand the standard there's um, you know what one of the key considerations to think about with earned recognition though is one of the rules is is that you can have support to prepare yourself for the audit but if you have support you can't then get audited by the same person which is unlike some of the other uh, standards in the industry because there are you know that there, there are other standards where people might support you to get the uh, standard and then they might audit you as well which is a bit of a conflict of interest so as with anything with the dvsa there is absolutely there must be no conflict of interest so if you were interested in getting earned recognition and you'd like uh, flagship or myself to support you that's fine we can offer that service we can help make sure you've got the policies in place we can help guide you through the process we can even help you during the audit process but we aren't able to audit you um, we would need to get someone else in to independently audit or likewise if you think you're ready we can help we can help do the audit for you but we wouldn't be able to consult on the process you would need to write your own policies and your own procedures and those kinds of things so that's obviously an important thing for people to think about but all the information you've got is readily available online um, on the gov on the gov site just um, search the dvsa and recognition standard and uh, a lot of the information is there that you need now there are there are going to be some need for some policies there's going to be some need for some procedures and ultimately the most important thing is actually being able to evidence that they they are there because when an auditor will come and have a look at things they will want to see that's fine you explaining the process to me but i need to actually evidence that as part of the audit process so i need to really see that that meeting's taken place that that disciplinary's happened that that follow-up meeting has occurred what was the action taken off the back of that event those things need to be documented and, uh, and, and and made available for the auditor to be able to do that so we've got high standards of evidence in to, to be part of that process now I think the initial thing for people to think about is have they got the systems uh, in place to, uh, to, to to meet the standards so are they going to be able to report are the systems they're using for taco uh, analysis and for maintenance are they going to be able to provide the KPI data that's required. So have a little look online. There are obviously software, approved software providers um, to, to think about. If you use the main, uh, the main uh, software providers for TACO analysis and for uh, vehicle maintenance, most of those, I believe, are DBSA and recognition approved. Um, but obviously it's worth checking. And if you want to transfer over to one that is uh, approved, if you're not already, then please do have a chat with us. We do partner up with uh, software providers which we can help provide that to uh, but that isn't you know I'm not here to, to pitch that at all I'm just here to explain that you do need to be able to report those so what happens on the reporting process so people get a bit concerned about having to report their data to the DVSA actually all that happens is where where there's not a meeting of the standard where a KPI is maybe dropped into 
uh, below the standard that's expected. That is all that's reported on a monthly basis to the DVSA. And as long as you've got a narrative or an explanation behind that, as long as you understand what's occurring there and you've got some management process in place, chances are it's not actually going to be an issue. So there is that reassurance. And I think if you spoke, if you are interested and speak to the DVSA and recognition team, they will reassure you of that, that actually on occasion things will happen, but it's about having the robust management and process in place to be able to ensure that the standard is quickly re-maintained and, and up there. So the first requirement is to make sure that we've got the right, right sort of software and the right sort of reporting mechanism. And the second is to make sure that we are achieving high MOT pass rate standards. So, um, and, and I think the other one is around not having any, any regulatory action in the last couple of years. But yeah, high standards of uh, MOT pass rate, the standard is 95%, which is above the industry average. I think the industry average sits around 89, 90% first time pass rate. Um, and you're going to need to demonstrate 95% um, over the previous two years. So that's a really good target to work towards. And obviously where you do have failures, there's going to be an expectation to ensure that you've got a process in place to investigate those MOT failures as well. So lots to think about, but those those are the things to, to consider. And depending on the size of your business, depends on how long that audit process is gonna take and how much it costs. So from a membership point of view, there is no fee for being a member, uh, but you do have to have a two yearly audit um, for which an audit, uh, an approved audit provider like ourselves will come in and will carry out that audit. And it depends on how big your fleet is as to how long that may take. But the audit process is quite uh, robust and certainly, in my experience, it's taken a number of days. So to give you an idea, I've done a reapproval, um, reapproval for an operator with uh, around 60 or 70 vehicles, and that reapproval process is taking sort of three to four days. Hello, it's Sharni from Flagship Partners. We are really proud to sponsor the Fleet Geeks podcast. If you need expert advice or training for your fleet business, make Flagship Partners your first choice. We are really excited to announce the launch of our Transport Manager Academy with expert development for fleet leaders. We offer fully accredited initial Transport Manager CPC training, CPC refresher and operator license awareness training, as well as mentoring, support and professional development beyond the qualification. Our vision is to develop elite fleet professionals. And uh, yeah, Chris, no worries if you've missed a bit. I will um, I will reshare it and you can watch back a bit later on, no problem at all, mate. So uh, yeah, appreciate you popping by and having a listen. But yeah, the, the reapproval process um, is, is uh, what I've found is initial auditing uh, can take a little bit longer because there's some um, actions required and some, uh, you know, some, you know, some uh, actions needed to get to the standard and there's, it needs to be a bit more, um, you know, really scrutinize uh, a new operator who's looking to go onto, onto the scheme. But someone who's already operating on the scheme, scheme may take a bit less time. But those who are already on the scheme that have been re-audited for the first time under the new audit procedure may find that actually it's a bit more of a robust process than it has been uh, previously. Um, but that's good because ultimately it's important to have a standardized audit process Previously, what had occurred was that there was a, uh, an audit around recognition that each of the audit providers had their own audit template, and that's now been standardized as a single template um, for uh, the approved auditors to be able to come and uh, audit your business. But depending on the size of your business, uh, depends on how many days that's going to take. And obviously, the more days, the larger the business, potentially, the more expensive the audit's going to be because it's a, a time and motion thing. Anyway. 
So what are the things that are going to be covered? Well, the 10 areas are clearly outlined online for you to go and have a look at. Um, they include operator licensing, so important things like making sure you've got the correct legal entity on your operator's license, ensuring that if you're a limited company, company's house and your operator license are matching up, because it's important to make sure uh, your directors are properly named on your O license, uh, making sure that you're operating within your authorization for your vehicles and trailers, those kinds of things. So the absolute fundamental basics and that you've got processes in place to ensure that the traffic commissioner is notified um, as per uh, your undertakings if there is a change to the business, the operation or to the vehicles, uh, those kinds of things. And then the second area focuses on the transport manager. So ensuring that a transport manager is has is competence, has a certificate of competence, but also interestingly has ongoing CPD as well. Um, so there is a requirement to have uh, a five yearly refresher, which is important, and to have that with a organization that is uh, qualified and approved to deliver the transport manager CPC qualification. Uh, additionally to that, things like transport manager briefings, um, and, and other CPD events, reading press, that kind of stuff. We're looking for that kind of evidence from the transport manager to show that they're committed to staying on top of the current best practice and legislation. Um, we then look at section three, which is around vehicle standards. So there's a sampling process to make sure that vehicles are maintained on time, that the service sheets are maintained and signed off in accordance with um, the requirements uh, of the guide to maintain the roadworthiness. We also will look at making sure brake testing happens and that vehicles are serviced within the declaration that's made to uh, the traffic commissioner as part of the granting of your license. Uh, so yeah, vehicle standards is a, is a thing and the sampling requirements is stated online. So depending on the size of your fleet, we'll be able to tell you what size the sampling is for that. Um, then we've got four, which is section four, which is driver's hours. So how are we managing driver's hours? Obviously there's a lot of legislation around EU driver's hours, how if you have a mixed business, so if you do some GB domestic and some EU driver's hours, we look at how that's managed. Um, we look to check that infringements are debriefed and that if there's persistent repeatable offenders, that there's a process in place for that as well. Um, so the, the driver's hours is, uh, is, is obviously fairly straightforward. And again, that is sampled and we take a sample of drivers and we look at infringement rates, working time for infringements and any MSIs and the most serious infringements too. Uh, section five is around operational management and section six is around security requirements. So um, security wise, we're gonna need a security policy and I've just missed, lost my mouse a minute. Where's my mouse gone? Uh, there you are. Uh, so I'm just going to refresh myself a little bit on section five there. So operational requirements are just working past drivers as that is some section, section four there, poor blimey. Um, and section five, yeah, so operational management. So uh, how we rec record and report uh, KPIs, so we're going to talk about that, making sure that insurance is met, that we've got the right types of insurance, making sure that we maintain vehicle weight and height compliance is very important too. Um, making sure there's, uh, you know, uh, looking for training and process around reducing the likelihood of bridge strikes, uh, making sure that um, all specialist equipment has what it needs, making sure that agency drivers are um, looked after in the same way as what that your normal drivers, uh, normal employed, I don't mean normal, employed drivers, uh, contracts are in place and um, service levels are maintained. 
that subcontract the hauliers are operating effectively and there's the right checks in place for that that um, those, those kinds of things are good practices in place there uh, again security requirements section six so making sure that we've got uh, the right processes in place to ensure that um, our, the operator centers are secure and safe uh, making sure that um, terrorism the risk of terrorism is reduced as much as possible um, making sure that uh, key security is being looked after for you know so that drivers are making sure that their vehicles can't be used as a weapon that kind of thing is what we're looking at for section six section six sorry get my teeth back in I'm just gonna have a quick swig of water um it's good to see the numbers increasing on the live uh yeah really appreciate that so thank you for staying by i hope that's interesting for you Section seven is around driver management. So um, driver management is making sure that the recruitment of drivers, CPC is managed, um, making sure that paying incentives are uh, legal and, uh, and compliant with your operator license undertakings, and making sure that driver behavior is monitored and managed effectively within your business too. Um, section eight around training. So this is really important part of the earned recognition standard, making sure we're going not just proactively organizing CPC management. Ah, here he is, is the man himself. Uh, managing CPC, uh, future planning CPC. This is Mark, by the way. Mark Cowan. I'm not uh, stopping. <laughs> he's not stopping. I was going to say I was a month on my train. Okay, mate. And Good I'll catch up with you later. Yeah, yeah, no worries, Mark. Appreciate that. Tell everybody your um, recognition in your company operational module. That's the, the one that you get the spine doing. Stop on, mate. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, yeah, uh, cameo appearance from Mark Cowan of Min Train there and the British Aggregate Association. Uh, he's got to go and catch a train back up north. Um, and then there's there's a requirement for additional policies for Section 9. Look at me, not even breaking a sweat here. Um, number nine is around additional policies, things like mobile phone, drink, drugs policy. How's that implemented? Is there evidence of it? Uh, whistleblowing, uh, making sure that vehicles are parked uh considerately when they're away from base those kinds of things and then finally uh section 10 is around adr and the carriage of dangerous goods if that's applicable to your business which for some of you it will be and some of you won't and if you do have adr then you will hopefully already know your requirements to have a relevant contract with a dgsa and the guidance that you need and those kinds of things anyway so i hope that's been interesting what happens is is the audit gets completed and you get provided with if you've met all the standards, you're going to get provided with a green audit as well as a sample, which you then send off uh, to the DDSA and recognition team uh, with your uh, membership application. Uh, or if it's a renewal, you send it off for it to be renewed. And then that audit gets QA'd, which is quality assured. So uh, the DDSA team will make sure that my audit or uh, whoever carries out that audit has carried out a comprehensive audit that is properly evidenced that everything that you need is in there. And if they've got any queries, they'll come back to the auditor on that. And then after a period of time, sometimes they might need to come and visit you. We have had a, a new operator come on and they had their own workshop um, and the DGSA asked if they could come and visit and just make sure that um, certain things were in place that they wanted. and They wanted to be able to evidence that themselves. So that may may happen, but obviously they'll guide you through that process uh, if it's a requirement for you. And um, yeah, and then once you're approved, then there's new stickers which are available from uh, Doors Highways. 
um, and they you'll be able to put those on the side of your vehicle and they'll be uh, you know you can make a bit of fuss uh, from a marketing point of view that you're now DVSA and recognition approved operator uh, but if anyone's got any questions I hope this has answered the majority of them but if you've got anything specific please do get in touch I'm here to help uh, I can't believe I've managed to waffle for 20 minutes about earned recognition. That's, uh, I'm, I'm quite happy that that's the case. And I hope that it's been of value to you. If you do have any questions, please do fire them across to me and uh, I'll be, I'm here to help. I think it's a fantastic scheme and it's something that you should absolutely consider. Like Mark said, um, operational standards, making sure they're high, keeping high levels of uh, operational performance in the, in the industry is absolutely vital and it improves road safety for everyone too. So um, very, very important stuff for, for people to consider. Thank you very much for joining me and uh, I'll see you on the next one. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share with your friends and colleagues too. Join us for free on Facebook with the Fleet Geeks community for transport and fleet managers. Fleet Geeks offers ongoing professional development, networking and mentoring too. So get in touch with me, Pete Rushmer, on any social media platform to find out more.